1 Peter chapter 3, reading from verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, reading from verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. So he says, who is there to harm you? Verse 13, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? So who is there to harm you? Um, uh, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? And, and um, you look specifically at that. He says, who's going to harm you if you prove zealous? Many people ask me, they say, in the, in the university, do you get a lot of pushback for your faith? And what I have experienced in the university, talking about the Lord for, for uh, um, more than 40 years in the university, I've been talking about the Lord. Uh, what I have experienced is that if you, if you talk a little bit about Jesus in the university, you will get pushback. But if you talk a lot about Jesus, you get much less pushback. You talk a lot, you get much less pushback. And the reason is people become afraid of you. They don't want to get you started. Uh, if they feel that they can pick on you and, and you say something and they, 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 they pick on you, you'll stop, uh, uh, then they will pick on you. But if, if you are more bold, they actually leave you alone. They don't want to get you started. And, and uh, uh, because it, it, it says... Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? If you prove zealous for what is good. If you just a little bit good. I mean, people come and they try to, they try to squelch you. But if you prove zealous for what is good, you actually, in my experience, you get less controversy. And, and uh, because people leave you alone. The majority of the people leave you alone. And those that, that sometimes come at you uh, they they uh, they regret it, and so then they leave you alone after that, and they never come at you again. And and I've had people you, you, they'll they'll send me emails in the university. Oh, you know, you should do this, you should do that, and they and they say you know, and I react back at them, and they say, well, you know, that true Christians wouldn't respond like that, and I say, you just came against Christianity, and all of a sudden you are an expert on what true Christians do. I mean, I mean, where is this? And then they say, well, I'm going to block you so you don't email me anymore. I'm like, I wasn't the one who started this conversation. You did. And, and, uh, and then I never hear from them again. So if you prove zealous for what is good, sometimes there's, there's even less controversy. But he says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer. Now remember, suffering was what these... Jewish believers were going through. Remember, these were the believers, these were Jewish believers that he's writing to in Asia Minor, which is current-day uh, uh, southern Turkey. And, and uh, these, are, are, the, the, these are through a number of cities there. So this was this encyclical, this letter that was to, supposed to go around to these different churches to be read. And the major thing that they were suffering is aliens in the land, Jews living, Jewish believers living among Gentiles, is that, is that they were undergoing persecution. He says, who is there, 
he says, but even, in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. If you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. So if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you will be blessed. There is a blessing. There is a blessing that comes by suffering for the Lord. There's a blessing that comes. It's truly a blessing. So, for example, it says uh, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, Luke 6, 22, it says, But blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. I mean, think about that. He says, blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you. And when you walk as a believer, there will be several times in your career where you will feel ostracized by your colleagues. He says, blessed are you. You are blessed when that happens. And insult you. When people say insulting things to you, he says, you're blessed. And scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. If we endure this for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of our testimony, we are blessed. It's, it's almost like it's transactional. If you do this, I'm going to bless you all the more. If you experience this, I'm going to bless you all the more. That's the promise. He says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. So when I get this sort of conflict, a lot of times I go right back to these passages and I just start reading it and meditating on this, and it just strengthens my spirit. This is what we do. We go back to the Word of God, and we allow it to strengthen our spirit. And I, and I go back to this. This is, be glad in that day and leap for joy. And I remember one day I had come home for dinner, and, I, and, and I, I was just reading the Scriptures, and it was encouraging me. And I was sitting at the kitchen table, encouraging me. It was encouraging me. And this is, leap for joy. And I remember standing at the side of the table and just jumping. Jump and treat what are, you, what are you doing? He said, I'm leaping. I'm leaping. I'm leaping joy. It says, for in that day, leap for joy. The Bible says you are to leap for joy. That's what we are commanded to do. We are commanded to leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. You're just piling up rewards in heaven. You're just piling them up. For in the same way, the fathers used to treat the prophets. So that, that's, that's what we're told. He says, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. Then he says, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. That is not a recommendation. That is a commandment. That's a commandment. That is an imperative, not an indicative, not something that he's saying, well, why don't you consider doing this? No. This is a commandment. He says, and do not, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And in fact, it even says, do not fear their fear. So I wonder, is he saying, don't, don't, don't pick up the fear that, that these unbelievers have. But in any case, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. This is a commandment. We are commanded not to fear. In fact, it's interesting that the scriptures speak to this in a way that is sort of like, be afraid to be afraid. 
be afraid to be afraid. So I want you to, I want you to turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, it's just a beautiful passage in Jeremiah chapter 1. And I have taken this passage in Jeremiah chapter 1, and many times in my life I've called it down upon myself. And I used to do it a lot when I was your age, when I was in college. I used to do this a lot. This portion of Scripture has tremendously strengthened me. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, and I I urge you to make this a part of your meditation. It will really encourage you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. I mean, you talk about foreknowledge. You talk about predestination. I mean, it's right here. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means I set you apart. And I appointed you a prophet for the nations before you were ever born. You think Jeremiah was the only person ever that God knew before he formed in the womb? Or does this kind of the definition of God mean that he knows all of us even before we are born? Verse 6. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. So Jeremiah's complaint here is, you're calling the wrong guy. I'm just, a, I'm just a youth. I'm just a young guy. He was like around your age, or younger when he was called. He says, I'm a youth. And God's reply is in verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. He never says you're not a youth. He says, just don't say it anymore. Don't say it. Don't keep using that as an excuse for not going forth. Don't say it anymore. He said, said, uh, uh, don't say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you're going to go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Don't say I'm a youth. Just don't say it. You know, we can get in these pity parties and give all sorts of excuses why we shouldn't do something. Last week I spoke and there was a young man, he came up to me, he says, you know, I use the excuse of having to be humble to keep from speaking up, to keep from sharing God's word. I use the excuse, well, you know, I should be humble. He says, pray for me, because I'm using humility as a, as a false excuse not to speak up about the Lord. He says, don't use this excuse that I'm a youth. Because I'm, I'm going to take care of wherever I send you, you're going to go, all I command you, are going to speak. He says in verse 8, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. The Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. I have put my words in your mouth. Speak my word. I urge you to get in the word of God and make it your daily meditation and get passages of scriptures into your life. You will never be without a word to say when you have the word of God in in, in your life. You speak the scriptures. Listen to my wife when she's praying for people. People will, will ask her to come and pray when they're sick. Shireen will start praying for people, and it's just the book of Psalms. One after another after another. She is proclaiming the Bible, the Word of God, the very words of God, over this sick person. 
She's amazing. When I'm sick, I want my wife to pray for me. She's amazing. She's got this richness of these words of conquering within her heart. And she takes this and she proclaims it over the sick person. God raised up Jeremiah to do this. Now I want you to look in the same chapter. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17. He says, Now gird up your loins, arise and speak to them all which I command you. Now gird up your loins. We used to say, pull up your pants and get going. Gird up your loins and get going. Now gird up your loins and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. In other words, be afraid to be afraid. If you're going to walk in a defeated mode, if you're going to walk afraid, I will make you more afraid. You would do that? Yes. If you're not going to believe me and my word, I will make you even more afraid. That's what he says. He says, he says, do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. If we will not pick up the word of God, we will become all the more fearful. It's not a matter of, well, maybe I won't walk in this. I'll just walk humbly. Well, then I'm going to make you even more afraid. I'm going to make you even more afraid. He says in verse 18, Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, and as walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah. Jeremiah is going to have to preach to kings. That's not easy. To the kings of Judah, to its princes. Princes are harder than kings because princes are young and cocky. To the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests. The religious people can often be the hardest because they think they know everything. To its priests and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He called the young man, and he says, don't say I'm young, because wherever I send you, you're going to go. He says, today, I have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, and a wall of bronze. I used to take this passage, when I would have to go and preach in the maximum security prisons, for ten years I did this, and and. These were big, rough men. And, you know, Jews aren't known for being big and rough. You know, we just, our DNA is a little bit shorter. And, and, and uh, but I would, have, I would have to go on these open yards and be, stand up there and start to speak. And I would take this passage. He's made me a fortified city. He's made me a pillar of iron. He has made me a wall of bronze. And I would come out just bursting. Just, I was fortified city. I was a fortified city. Nobody could touch me. And I would start speaking and I would watch these men. They go, they just turn around, you know, they're just milling around on the yard and they just look up. Because this word strengthened me. This word will strengthen you the same way. If you will pick it up, he gave this to Jeremiah and he's given it to me, and he will give it to you, if you will pick it up and believe it. He says, do not fear them. Do not fear them. Do not be intimidated by them. In your age, you will never feel that you're old enough and sufficient enough. And I remember for many years, I taught Bible studies when I was an undergraduate. I taught Bible studies in graduate school. I taught Bible studies as, as, a, as a postdoc. 
and I never felt sufficient. I always felt too young. I've always felt that somebody else should be doing this, somebody with more experience, somebody who knew the Bible better should be doing this. But again and again, I found myself in this position. And then I was sharing with students and doing these things, and I never felt qualified. I felt too young. And then all of a sudden, like overnight, I felt too old. I felt that, oh, you know, they, they need somebody cooler to be speaking to them, somebody whose hair is kind of spiked up and tight pants and they, they, really somebody they can relate to a little bit more. Who am I? You know, what's this old guy have to say to them? You will never feel sufficient. You will never feel sufficient. And if you do feel sufficient, be wary. It means you're probably not. Right? You'll never feel quite the right age. You'll never feel quite as experienced enough. You'll always feel somebody can do it better. But God has called each one of us to speak his word. He called Jeremiah. He put him forth. He said, you stand up there and you be afraid to be afraid. Because if you start being afraid, then all sorts of bad things start happening. So, for example, in Numbers, in Numbers chapter, chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13 the spies went out into the land. These were leaders of the tribes. He took one man from each tribe who was a leader of each tribe. These were not just wimpy folks. These were leaders of each tribe, and he sent them forth to spy out the land. Ten of them came back giving a bad report. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this land. Ten of them came back. They gave a bad report. And they say he says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 32, so they gave out to the sons of Israel, a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to, in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight." He says, everybody we saw in the land was a man of great size. Like, everybody was a man of great There wasn't one small person among them. You see, what happened is, they, they started seeing everybody. Everybody, no matter what their height was, in their own mind, this was a man of great size. Everything became a big obstacle to them. He says, all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Everyone was a man of great size, so you saw no women? <laughs> Everyone was a man of great size? We also saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim was this, this hybrid race of, of demons interacting with, with humans that were killed off in the flood of Noah. They lied. When they went into the land, there were never any Nephilim there. But in their own mind, these were Nephilim. The sons of Anak were big, but they weren't Nephilim. And, and uh, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. You see, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers. And so they became grasshoppers in the sight of those people. It wasn't that the people viewed them as grasshoppers. And then they kind of felt it. No, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers. And because they viewed themselves as a defeated people then they were being viewed as a defeated people. This is what we're talking about. Be afraid to be afraid. Because when you become afraid, you become prey. This is what he warns us about. This is a commandment. We are not to fear them. 
and we are not to go by their intimidation. This is what he's teaching us. And the way you do this, the way you deal with this, is revealed to us. It's revealed to us in the Scriptures in this same portion in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. He says, And do not, be, do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. Don't, don't be fearful, and don't be troubled. Verse 15, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's what we have to do. It is not just do not fear and have this vacuum. No, you sanctify. That means set apart. Sanctify means to set apart. Set apart Christ as, as set, by, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. I am going to fill my heart with Jesus Christ. In the midst of where I would normally fear, I have made a choice to fill my heart with Jesus Christ. Christ is set apart as Lord in my heart. Because when He is my Lord, I will be protected. When He is my Lord, He will take care of me. When He is my Lord, things will, will, will go well for me. This is what He warns us about. This is what He does. He warns us about this. He says, don't fear their intimidation. Don't. But it's not just a vacuum. You set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Set Him apart as Lord in your heart. You fill your heart with Jesus. He is the best in every way. He will comfort you. He will lead you. He will say, he is the one who says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the promise that he gives us. He promises us we are to fill our hearts with Christ. You fill your heart with Jesus Christ and let him bring peace. All of us, all of us are subjected to times in our life when we are fearful. Big exams crashing down upon us. I used to come before the Lord all the time and cry out for mercy and grace. Things happen in families. Things happen in lives. There's death in families. There's loss of loved ones. He says, you fill your heart. He says, you're not to be fearful. You're not to be fearful. He says, but sanctify, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. This is the key. You fill your heart with Jesus Christ. He's the best in every way. This, God does this to strengthen us. This is what he does. I urge you to know the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, I urge you to come and know him. He is so good. He is so wonderful. Come and see me. We will arrange a time to speak together. Right after this class or over lunch, we will speak together. Let me share with you about the Lord. If you know the Lord, I'm telling you, just, just walk with him. He is so good. He comes to us. He says, he, he says to us, he says, do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Do not let it trouble you. When you fill your heart, sanctify your heart with Christ Jesus as Lord in your heart. Fill your heart with Jesus Christ. Saturate your heart with the word of God. Let it fill you. Pick up this word and just let it minister to you. These very portions that we went through today. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 and meditate on that portion. And just let it fill you. You may feel totally inadequate. Totally inadequate in whatever God has for you. Totally inadequate in your marriage. Totally inadequate to be a wife. To be a husband. Let God fill you. And he will become your adequacy. Take his word and put it in your mouth. 
Feel, let Jesus fill your heart and watch what He will do with you throughout your life. Let Him become your adequacy for all that is before you. Jesus is so wonderful. He offers up, up us He offers us so much. We come to the cross. We take our burdens and we lay them at the foot of the cross. Heavy burdens that wear us down. And then Jesus said, now take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Just take that upon you and walk with me. Come and see that I am gentle and humble in heart. And Jesus said, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. There's nothing magical about this. It's truly the Word of God, and it works for everybody, everybody, everybody that will take this Word and pick it up and walk in faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for all your mercies and for all your grace. Blessed be your name. Father, I pray for these young people that they would take hold of this word, that they would not fear the intimidation that's going to come against them in life, and that they would not be afraid, that they would learn to leap with joy if they bear hardship because of the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that they would learn to take your word and make it a part of their lives. They would take this portion from Jeremiah, a young man who was called to face kings and princes and priests and the whole nation. And Father, I pray that through that word, your very word, they would be so encouraged because your words are a treasure. They are a treasure. They are the words of life to our soul. For this book, this book is our life. Lord, I pray that you strengthen them through this word, that they learn to set Christ as Lord in their hearts to sanctify, to set apart Jesus in their hearts as Lord. Father, I pray that they would learn to function and to walk in faith decade after decade, that they would walk in faith. Glory be to your name, O Lord. Glory be to the name of Jesus. And Father, for the unbelievers, save souls today, I pray. Save souls. Your grace be with us this day, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.